Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. Thank you, Steve. Welcome to Financially Ever After. We have a wonderful guest today, uh, someone who I really admire, uh, both as a professional, but also as just an amazing, smart business owner, a mom, and just all around a really, really kind woman. And here we have none other than Jenny Powers. Um, She is a born and bred New Yorker who doesn't (laughs) believe in strangers, only people that she hasn't met yet. She's a graduate of New York University. Power also spent more than two decades producing large-scale fundraising events and raising tens of thousands of dollars for a variety of worthy charities. In 2012, she created an organization that you most likely have heard of, and the name is one of my favorites. It's called Running With Heels, which I have been caught. I'm sure numerous people have (laughs) caught me running with heels across uh, New York City. It's an exclusive community with women who can connect um, in a really authentic, sales-free environment to support one another, both personally and professionally. She is a podcast expert and actually listening to her speak was the reason that I had the guts to start financially ever after. Oh. And her podcast broadcast broads building businesses is uh, really fantastic. She spends all of her time um, as a a lot of her time as a freelance reporter contributing to a lot of national media outlets. Um on Literally, not only is she an entrepreneur, uh, she is very busy. Her nights are spent at home with her husband of nearly 12 years and their eight-year-old daughter, who plans to be the president of the United States one day and move to the White House, move that White House to Brooklyn Heights. I love (laughs) it. I love it. So thank you so much for being here, Jenny. It's great to have you with us today. Oh, thank you. It is really Great to be here. I remember talking to you about starting this show, so I am so excited that it's actually happening. I know, I know, and we've talked about this too. You've got so much going on, so many work projects, Um, but you also come to this with a personal story. You've been married now uh, happily 12 years. You have a beautiful, beautiful eight-year-old daughter, Um, but you've actually gone through divorce and experienced divorce too. Um, What does your story look like and and what do you want to tell the women listening? All right. So my story is one that I think I sort of created this fairy tale in my head. The guy that I married when I was 30 was my high school crush. So I think I had a lot of blinders on and it just seemed, you know, like, oh, this is so great. We've known each other since childhood. Our families know each other. We have this shared history and I ignored a lot of the red flags. Um, he was someone who was not employed. He was a, uh, I think we called them trust fund kids back in the day. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't talk about money. We didn't think about money. It was just always there. And when we got married, I sort of fell into this 
situation where I didn't look at a price tag. I didn't have to look at a bill. Um, and, you know, for, for a while, it sounds great. But then you realize that it's not realistic. And it, you certainly realize when you're getting divorced. And the first thing you do is go to a divorce lawyer. And they ask you questions about your everyday finances. And you don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And it was really a slap in the face to me and and shook me to the core that I couldn't answer the most basic questions about my household finances. Um, do, do you feel like he had a good handle on the household finances too? You know, I think because it, it was a trust, it was coming out in, in drips and drops, so there was somebody else managing it. Um, but I think we were both under this impression there was always more, so you didn't need to worry about it because mm-hmm. you could spend it, and somebody would pull in the reins if they had to. And since no one was doing that, it seemed like, a, it was like a game show. Like, okay, spend all of this until the next round comes. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm hearing from you, and this is so true of, to be honest, the majority of, of marriages, the two of you, it doesn't sound like you really talked about money. No, and I think part of that is because we had this shared history. It was like we were still kids. You know, and somebody else was still giving us money. Um, I was a freelancer, and I come from a family where my, my dad ran his own company. So I certainly was aware of the of the pride of earning your own money, and I did have my own bank account. So I wasn't completely ignorant of finances. You know, I knew what what I was bringing in, um, but when it came to like paying taxes, and I just sort of handed over this big yellow envelope full of receipts to somebody. Like I didn't have a clue. What to, what to deduct, what I was going to earn, you know, net. Um, but, but beyond that, we did not have a discussion. He looked at it like, that's your business. You know, what, what you're doing on the side, and I think he kind of looked at it as a hobby. Like, you know, that was free money. Um, mm-hmm. And it really, I, I look back and I'm just totally embarrassed by how I behaved about it. And we were only married for a year and a half after knowing one another our whole lives. So, it was a year and a half of these, you know, glory days before I went into a divorce lawyer's office and realized the reality of it all. Do you feel like your money, not really talking about money and, and issues around money, led in part to your decision that this wasn't going to be a good long-term fit for you? Um, no, there were there were other issues, which is why mm-hmm. I, I left. But I remember... Um, and I say towards the end, but God, it was a year and a half. It was like towards the beginning. You know, but, but towards that point, I do remember bringing up things like, hey, we talked about having a family. You know, we talked about moving and getting our own home because I moved into what was his apartment, which mm-hmm. was great, but it was rent stabilized. So, of course, it meant like you got this great deal. So it was more money to spend because you weren't spending crazy amounts of money on New York rent. Mm-hmm. But I remember at that point when he was like, well, I think I've changed my mind that there was money, but he didn't want to spend it in the same way. Yeah. Now, when did you what, get, get divorced? What age were you? Um, goodness, let's see. I got divorced in 2004. So let's say, God, my math. Oh, my God. <laughs> not only am I not going to agree with money sometimes, but my numbers could be off. <laughs> so about, about 14 years ago then. Does that sound yeah, right? 14 years ago. So I was like 32 years old. So you were young. You were, I mean, so here you are leaving a marriage and I imagine that you actually didn't really walk away with that much because 
you've only been married a year and a half, and I, I bet you he was able to have all that trust money categorized mm-hmm. as separate property. Um, yeah. What did and it look know, like for you now that you were, you know, you were on your own? Well, you know, for me, one of the key things was having my freedom, was getting out of that marriage. And I wasn't looking to walk away with any money that was his. In fact, I didn't really want anything that was his. I was like, my pride was that I knew that there were women that he had, you know, dated that were out for his money and I didn't want to be that person. So I kind of was like, I'm leaving with what I took. Um, The craziest, most ironic part is we had this joint account that just had our wedding money sitting in it and we split what was left evenly and that's how I paid for my divorce. Mm. You know, so it's kind of bittersweet. (laughs) And it's amazing how how expensive a divorce can potentially be. Um, yes. How was your experience? Were you able to keep divorce fees down, or was this something that turned into a um, you know protracted, long engagement? Yeah, I actually had a rather quick divorce. I was very fortunate in that my divorce was about three months. From Hallelujah! The, wow. Yes, I mean, I was like, I probably would have paid double to make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> But from the time that I walked in completely clueless to the to being set with my marching orders on what I needed to come back with, it was literally 90 days. And this is before the no-fault divorce. So I actually yes. had to convince him to be a defendant, which he did not want to. Um, and when I brought up the issue of money, that's what changed his mind. Mm, funny so, how money talks, um, right? Say again? I said, funny how money talks. Yes, exactly. And it was the only time I sort of pulled that card um, because I was yeah. desperate, because I wanted to get out of it. And I didn't want my divorce to go on longer than my marriage had. And I know that yeah. for some people it does. Yeah, no, so, I know. And I, I think there there are literally hundreds of women listening to this right now who are in their second, their third, even the third, third year and beyond of divorce. Yeah. How were you able to keep this contained? What was your strategy? Well, you know, from the beginning, when I came into our marriage, I did have my own bank account. I had my own assets. And we mm-hmm. really did because of the fact that I had that because he had his trust keep everything separate with the exception of this joint account. You know, I was I was fortunate. I was grateful that he was paying for the household finances because I was essentially moving into a home that he was already paying the rent for and the electricity and the water and the cable. So he just looked at it as, well, I'm already paying for this. I don't need to you know, get any money from you. So Mm -hmm. I was able to save. Um, So when I did go to the divorce lawyer, it it was a shock to me what they cost. But I I said, okay, I I split this money. I'm using my wedding money. And if it wasn't for that, I probably would have had gone to, um, fortunately, my parents are both alive. They live in New York. And they would have, like I said, given me any amount of money to get out of this relationship, no matter what they had to do to get it. Yeah. Now, how did you how did you choose a lawyer? Because this is another make or break that your yeah. your lawyer makes a big difference about number one the outcome, but but the length and the process you experience. How how did you go about that decision? So um, I didn't know anyone getting divorced. You know, my parents were divorced, but they were divorced many years ago, and they had mm-hmm. those lawyers that you see on the you know on page six representing actors and actresses. Yes. <laughs> the money lawyers that I knew right away I couldn't afford. So I remember calling my dad and saying, I can't afford that. But do you think if we call them, they could tell us who I could afford? 
Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was somebody that had that had worked for them, that had been a student, that had been a paralegal, um, and they came to me with this name. And I think I can, I can you know, they said it's going to be about ten thousand dollars. And I remember saying, okay, that's it. That's the wedding money. That's the exact amount of money I had. Um, and I spoke to them and I said, I don't have a dime more than this. So if this is like the base and yeah. it's going to get bigger and bigger, you're going to be suing me to get money back from me because mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't have it. So I really um, had a hard conversation about this, this is it. This is all I can put down. And if you can work with me. Yeah. And, and they did. Wow. Now, here you are. You've achieved your freedom. Albi yes. had to, you know, sacrifice your, your wedding money for it. You're on your own. What was your biggest concern about money? And, and how did you how did you make it? Because back then, um, you mentioned that you were freelancing. Is that yeah. is that right? Yes, I was. Which, which is good. But I can't imagine that you were um rolling in right I don't want to yeah. get too personal but but no, you no, know no. I, I imagine things were really tight how did you how did you do that because one of the biggest challenges we see for women is the fear about the what after am I going to be able to support myself what's it going to yes. look like for me and what's going to look like you know especially if they have children exactly exactly well for me, the fact I certainly, yeah, I was not, I was not rolling in the dough. But what I did earn, I was able to save because, like I said, he was, he was paying for, you know, the, the big things that we usually worry about, like rent. But what I had done is I had actually started applying for full time jobs. Oh, you're um, so savvy, so yeah, savvy in preparation for this. And and one of the places that I was freelancing, there was a a vice president of special events position open, which I was essentially doing as a freelancer. So I was the only one that was going to apply to that job that had actually done that job. Mm-hmm. So it took several months, but I mean, it was like kismet. It worked where I was get, I was offered that job about a week before I told my husband that I was moving out. So I had negotiated the salary. I had, and I had my own health insurance. Oh, life wonderful. Insurance. Yes. So that was what I, I was so blessed that I was able to leave knowing that I now had a full-time job with a, with a bi-weekly paycheck, bi-monthly paycheck, I should say. And, and I agree, very blessed, but also, Jenny, you did that. You thought in advance. And yeah. it's interesting, um, in the beginning of every year, for us, we get the highest volume of calls of women doing exactly that, starting to get educated Mm-hmm. and putting the pieces in place. And it, it might be even just going back to school to start to, um, you know, sharpen their skills. It could be like you're, you're talking about um, going back to a full-time position. It could yeah. be making sure you've put money aside so that you can afford, uh, afford uh, legal fees. But it, it sounds like this was something that you you really – did consciously and you thought about before you finally made the decision to to divorce yes yeah definitely i wanted to be as prepared as i could knowing that i hadn't give given any preparation a thought to begin with and you know what would you say um was your aha moment you know what did you take away from your marriage regarding finances did you have a kind of almost a lesson that you Absolutely. took away from that and and what do you want to share with the women listening today 
Yeah, it was it was a hard lesson, but it was a worthy lesson because it sent me on a very different path, a path where I was now supporting myself and could become mm-hmm. a business owner, um, a path that I could take with me into my second marriage. Um, it was really like, okay, you you got your shot, and luckily it didn't really blow up in your face. You know, you're you're here with a full time job. Like you need to learn these things. You need to know what your assets are. You need to create a budget. Um, and my dad, who was a Wall Street guy. Um, you know, bless his heart, was always like, oh, don't worry about money. You know, so I was, I grew up in this household. Like, yeah. my husband just carried over tradition that my father had, had started. Um, but I went to my dad and said, I need to understand. I need to look at my IRA. I need to look at a 401k. I need to look at why we, I buy certain stocks because he was managing all of it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it, you know, I said, listen, I don't want to sound morbid, but you're not always going to be here. I need to know this. Yeah. Um, and he realized, and we sat down and went over everything. And my husband now, you know, he's the breadwinner and he does pay the bulk of the bills, but I know what everything costs. You know, I know what we can afford, what we can't afford, what we need to save up to do. So it's it was a huge lesson that I'm able to, you know, carry with me forever. And it's interesting because the money story you grew up with was, don't worry, Jenny, you don't have to worry about this stuff. Yeah. Your dad saying, I'll take care of it. And it's interesting that when you look back, you can see that you just transferred that story onto your first husband. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I remember when I read a, a friend of mine, Barbara Stanny's book about mm-hmm. the same exact yes. story. Prison, with Prince her. Charming is not coming. Prince yes. Charming isn't coming. That is one of my favorite books, Jenny. Oh, Every woman has to read it. Every woman has to read it. Yes. Well, all, all of Barbara's books are great. And that's exactly what happened. Her father was like, oh, you know, you're girls. You don't need to worry about this. I'll deal with it. And then they all got married and the same exact thing happened. So I know it is so common. Yeah. It, you, you, you are the norm, not the abnormality. But kudos to you that you stood up and realized, hey, I, I need to learn this stuff. This is going to be really important for me. And it doesn't matter how happily married you are. It's really important to be part of it. And actually what I believe, and, and I know this also in my marriage, because I am very active in the finances, we actually have a better marriage. We yeah, really I'm do. Sure. Being involved with the finances actually makes your marriage stronger. And my husband and I just got some great news yesterday. Um, My son was accepted to this really wonderful private school uh, called the British International School of New York. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know that. we We are so over the moon happy. But the thing is, is that we have been in public school uh, Uh, up until sixth grade for, for Sebastian. Uh-huh. And so all of a sudden we are having to look at our finances and, you know, really very clearly make sure we're on the same page that guess what? This pirate school, that's going to be great. But that wonderful cabin we thought we were going to buy up in Vermont. Yeah. Guess what? Not, <laughs> not, not happening. Not happening. So <laughs> it, it really is important. And for the two of us, it was just a, a pure no brainer. And it was so nice because we're both so in the know about where we are with our our spending our savings and our long-term investing that it was it was both very clear 
I, I didn't even have to run the financial plan. And, you know, we both know that, all right, guess what? We're not, we're not buying the house in Vermont. And that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it really is powerful. It's not only good for you, um, whether you're single or you're married, it's, it's good for if you're partnered with your, your knight in shining armor, you're happy ever after. Yeah. Because you, you need that to have a equitable, healthy relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I can relate to that because our daughter's in private school as well. And my husband came from a public school background. His mother's a public school teacher. The thought of paying for education just wasn't something that he thought we would need to budget for. Yeah. So when, you know, the biggest thing in New York is first you got to get in, you know, yeah. and then once you do that, you take a sigh of relief and then say, oh, how am I going to afford it? I no. You know, and she got in and we were like happy and sad at the same time. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it was so funny. We went for champagne last night to, to celebrate um, and then to go home and, and tell Sebastian. And, um, you know, he was he was looking at Dom Perignon and a nice Bollinger. And I'm like, hun. He's like, I know we're getting the Bollinger. I'm like, right. We're getting the Bollinger. We are not getting the Dom Perignon. Never will we ever for the rest of our lives be able to get the Dom Perignon until yes. they're out of college. But there exactly. we go. So. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, you know, where you are today financially. It, it, it sounds like, uh, you're in a really good place of knowing. Um, yeah. and what I'd love to hear is how do you, how do you do that? Do you and your husband, is it a little bit more ad hoc or do you guys try and sit down with like a financial advisor or have a date night? How does that look like for you two? Yeah. So my my husband, it's funny because not only does he manage our finances, but he manages them for our our, our co-op. Like he's the money guy. He's the numbers oh, guy. Bless. Yeah. So he has like our accountant on speed dial. We both actually use the same financial advisor now, um, which we didn't always, um, but now we do. Uh, but we we actually use Mint for the most part. Love it. You know, um, and it was something that I could understand. You know, so for me, my husband would show me these Excel spreadsheets and my eyes would just glaze over and I would be like, I don't understand it. And then I would get frustrated, you know, and it wouldn't work. So for him, Mint is a little basic, but that's how we'll create our budgets. And, and for the, the listeners, I just want to tell you about yeah. this amazing tool. So Mint.com is one of the n- most amazing tools. And, and I'd love to hear how you guys use it, Jenny, but it has a lot of capabilities. You can connect it to your checking account all, as well as all your credit cards. Your spending comes in. They automatically categorize it for you. Categories might be a little off, so you have to, you know, <laughs> kind of train it um, for a little bit. Um, but then you can also set up budgets and have them send you emails when you're about to go over a certain yes. budget. And then you can keep track of your spending, your uh, checking accounts, your savings accounts, your 401k, any account you have. You can aggregate it and upload um, that information so that literally in in one place you see all your assets and you see your spending so how how do you guys use it jenny what's been good for for you guys yeah so i love it so the first thing i want to also tell your listeners is it's free ah is amazing yes, i forgot that <laughs> free is a, is wonderful right yes so what i do is yeah as you said i have every account that we have everything you know my daughter's minor account to my 401k every single account is linked to that and I, I literally, it's like a game now for me because if I don't look at it for a couple of weeks and then I look back and I go, what is that charge? What is that charge for some odd amount? You know, what did I spend $413 on? It'll drive me crazy. So I literally look at it every night 
And this way, I always know where when money's coming in, where it's coming in from, where it's going out. But I really use it. And as soon as I see a charge, I will code it. Because like you said, they try and figure out what it's for. But sometimes, you know, the name of a bookstore could sound like a restaurant. All of a sudden, that's going into your, your restaurant budget, you know, your food yeah. budget. So I will literally go in, make sure it's coded properly, and put a note to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when Smart. I bought someone a wedding gift. This is when I took my clients to lunch. You know, this is a reimbursement for, you know, a, a job I did. Um, and it's great because I have it right on my smartphone, you know, and I can look at it anytime I want. And it gives me the confidence to know where I stand at all times. It's it's a really good tool also for couples to, to be talking. When Michael and I first got married um, 15 years ago, we... Mm-hmm. Each had a fun fund that we put on mint.com. Okay. And money was so tight for us to give you an idea. When we went to the grocery store, we actually, once every two weeks, we could buy meat. Like to give you an idea of how how stretched we were. So we had a pretty elaborate fun fund. It was $250 a month that you could use for, you know, fun things. And... It was really powerful because it helped us not argue. We each had our own little, you know, stash that we could mm-hmm. use for anything. Maybe it's a gift for each other or, you know, going out drinking. Now, for me, I saved mine because for me, if you give me a dollar, I'm going to try and save three. That's just like my nature. <laughs> um, Michael, if you give him a dollar, he'll try and spend three. So you can imagine we're a pretty interesting couple. This is my husband and I, exactly. Yeah. So halfway <laughs> through the month, Jenny, I, we would get an email one to him and one to to, to me saying, uh-huh. you have now exhausted your yeah, fun fund. And, and it wasn't my fun fund. It was his. <laughs> and then, of course, he would call me and ask, can I use your fun fund? Okay, can I just tell you the answer should always be no. No, yes. I haven't spent it, but it doesn't mean that you get to use it. Uh, but it was so helpful because it took, it took us um, a, a good amount of time to get used to how we could work together. And using mint.com and, and just seeing where the money was going, each of us having their own funds, deciding to do whatever we want with it, with it, um, it was really helpful. And it kept us talking and communicating. And that is really key. Being able to talk about this stuff is, is key. And it sounds like that's also a big difference between your marriage now versus your first marriage. Absolutely. 100%. So we're, we're wrapping up to and coming up um, really kind of quickly um, at the at the end of our, our time here. And I want to make sure that we have a little bit of time so you can talk a little bit more about running with heels and also your podcast. Cause I think it's great. But if you had like one parting piece of advice um, to women who are either thinking about or going through the divorce process, um, other than you can have your happily ever after, which is so nice to see, um, you know, what, what would that advice be, Jenny? Um, you know, I think for women that are contemplating divorce or going through divorce, they're always thinking of it as an end, as yeah. opposed to a beginning. You know, and for me, it was the beginning of so many different things. It was the beginning of a new job. It was getting my freedom back. It was the beginning of a new home that I could call my own. Um, and that mindset, I mean, I went out the night that I was going to be packing to move the next day. And that's when I met the man who became my second husband. So if I had been sitting under the covers crying and saying, this is the end of my life, I'm never going to have a family, I'm never going to have children, you know, I probably would have manifested all that. But I I said, you know, 
it, it's amazing. that quote of like, don't look back, you're not going that way. Yeah. You know, I immediately said onward. And I think that there are plenty of times where it's going to suck and you're not going to want to think that way. But I think that's what's going to get you through it. And there is certainly life and love after divorce. Well, you give us such happiness and such hope. Um, you've been married 12 years. You have a beautiful eight-year-old yeah. daughter. So again, there is a happily ever after. And us women, we just have to kind of pick ourselves up and know that just like you said, it's it's not necessarily the end. It's it's also it's also the beginning. So I can't thank you enough. Um, I, I want to give you a few moments. Can you talk a little bit more about Running with Heels and, and also your podcast, Broadcast Broads Building Businesses? Because both of them are just such, such neat, neat organizations. Thank you. Sure. So Running with Heels, I launched in 2012. And it's here in New York. So it's a local community of senior level business executives or business owners, all women. And we get together to support one another professionally and personally. Uh, the reason I created it was I was seeing so many different events where you could go and you could either be the mom or you could be the business owner, but you couldn't be both. You know, I wanted a place where you weren't hiding any aspect of your life. You know, and it's very a very sales-free, non-pressure environment. Um, we either do power luncheons, which are kind of like lunch and learns, or we do dinners. And the fun thing about the dinner is during each course, you are sitting with a different group of women that I've selected so that you mm. never have to say, who am I going to talk to? Or, or I love it. Talking to this person so long. So you really get to maximize uh, your time, which is critical because um, that is our biggest commodity. <laughs> you know, we don't have exactly. It. So that's running with heels and broadcast. I did because there were so many people in different cities saying, mm. when is running with heels coming to our city? Yes. And yes. as much as it sounded like this great idea, I had so many things going on here in my own backyard that I couldn't hop on a plane and, and try this out in different communities. So I said, you know what, at least let me get the speakers on the phone so that people all over the world can hear from these incredible women entrepreneurs and how they built their businesses. So That's broadcast, amazing. you know, every week we would have a broad on who would talk to us about how she built her business. And the show's actually been on hiatus for, I guess, about five or six months now, only because I'm concentrating more on my freelance writing. So yep. I never say never. It's not over. It's just on a break right now. Nice. And how do women find out with running with heels? Should we just Google running with heels? Um, yeah, you can do that. You know, it's running dash with dash heels.com. Great. You'll see a woman that looks like a superhero on the, on the front page. Um, and all of our information about upcoming events, about our six-month mastermind programs, and about the podcast are all there. That's fabulous. Well, Jenny, I cannot thank you enough for being here. And um, I just want to also thank our listeners uh, on Financially Ever After. If you are concerned about your financial future, if you have questions about what your divorce might look like for you financially, both now and in the future, please reach out to Francis Financial. We have a beautiful second opinion service, a free service that helps you understand where you are today, where you want to go, and the steps you need to take to get there. At the same time, we'll also look at your current investments and help you understand what is in that 401k, that IRA, that other account. Um, what does that really look like? And that is one of the most important things to know about as you go into divorce. We know that women who know more 
about the money do better in divorce. So please visit our website, www.francisfinancial.com, or you can email me, Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be talking to you in two weeks.